Welcome to Take Me to the Cloud, a place for business professionals to hear insights and best practices from industry experts that combine cloud systems, operations, supply chain, and finance. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us on another episode of Take Me to the Cloud. I'm your host, Melissa Fulton. Today, I am joined by two managers in the advisory services practice here at Witham, Chris Higgins and David Hansel. Hey, guys. Hey, Melissa. Chris, you've been with us before, but for our new listeners, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. I'm a manager here at Witham in the advisory practice, primarily on the NetSuite implementation side. My background is about 15 years in corporate finance experience in industries all the way from media and entertainment, sports, and financial services software. Great. And um, David, do you want to talk to our listeners and just let them know a little bit about yourself? Sure. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Chris. Yeah, hi. Uh, David Hansel, manager, controllership advisory, focusing on startup technology and emerging growth companies, anywhere from pre-seed to series A, B, C, and fingers crossed IPOs as the capital markets open up over the next couple of years. Prior to my time and with them, I was an advisor at Data Partners, where we focus on providing ASC 606 analysis and revenue accounting solutions within the SaaS and professional service industries. Prior to that, I did SEC reporting at Quaker Chemical, and like most of us, I was an auditor for six years. Great. So we got a lot of experience conversation ahead of us. And today's episode, we're kind of talking about revenue recognition. So I think you guys are the perfect people to to talk about um, that with our listeners. Before we get started, maybe Chris, do you want to chat about the different types of revenues that companies may encounter? Sure. So we're going to focus today primarily on the, uh, the software space, just because if we opened it up to multiple verticals, we could be here all day and lose all of our listeners. Um, <laughs> so Typically, what you'll see in the software space is, is uh, at a high level, two different um, business models, right? An on-premise software versus a cloud software. On-premise being installed locally on the organization servers, whereas the cloud or SaaS software is just that, living in the cloud and typically a subscription-based uh, software license that you're incurring monthly or annual costs for. Well, given that this podcast is called Take Me to the Cloud, maybe we talk more about the SaaS model. David, do you want to talk about ASC 606 and what it is and kind of who it affects? Sure. Thank you, Melissa. And so, you know, ASC 606, you know, especially within the software industry, has definitely been a big change up. You know, for years, we were used to seeing a license-based delivery of software, which allowed for perpetual use, which, quite frankly, only ended when the SaaS provider discontinued backend support. Uh, licenses allowed for software companies to recognize revenue upon delivery of these licenses, but the practical economic life and rec- revenue recognition always felt disconnected. You know, I think with the shift to the ASC 606, we've seen a lot of transition towards the SaaS model, which allows for a smooth and consistent revenue stream over the life of the SaaS contract. This has created opportunities for a SaaS company to renew customers and generate additional cash flows compared to the one-time perpetual license structure in the past. You know, as we work with startups kind of through their early stage where they're focused on annual recurring revenue and building out a strong pipeline and runway, 
we're really working with our startups to understand that revenue is derived from a delivery of an asset and completion of a performance obligation. We see very many startups that derive their revenue recognition from an accounts receivable event, which yes, accounts receivable and revenue are correlated, you know, cousins, but the reality is when entitlement is delivered and there's a fully executed contract, the company or startup has the ability to recognize that revenue. And kind of what happens there with the invoice kind of goes its own road. So we really like to showcase to our startups is let's lead with your ARR file. Let's talk about fully executed contracts and let's get good, smooth, consistent revenue recognition, which is going to support your valuations, your fundraise requests, all things a startup could possibly need. What would you recommend um, for a client that maybe doesn't know how to recognize their revenue or, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, how do you kind of create those needs? Sure. And I think the most important thing is to gain a complete listing of your current contracts, you know, identify some base attributes, customer names, contract them out, uh, co- contract execution date. As a company advances, if you can better correlate to maybe an entitlement date, but also base attributes, start date, end date. And, you know, one thing to especially keep in mind is in order to generate customer interest, we want to maybe engage in a free trial period. So say, for example, that the contract is $120,000 and it's over 14 months. We want to pick up that revenue over the 14 months, which would include that two-month free trial period compared to before, maybe it was just that 12 month. So we wanna take those attributes and roll it into a nice smooth amortization file that allows for that clean, consistent revenue that practically matches the economic reality of the company's processes and expenditure process. Are there industries that you see um, this more than others or are there new industries that are using this as well? You know, it's that, the SaaS space is definitely the key one, right? That this is upended everything from contract and negotiations to entering the software to revenue recognition. You know, I see more challenges kind of emerging in the manufacturing space. You know, there's embedded leases. I was talking with a team member the other day about some 606 considerations um, related to the cannabis space. So I think the SaaS model dominates kind of the focus and attention, but there's caveats within each industry. And the most important thing I think our teams can do is to understand where some of the 606 risks are and to communicate and talk through the process because each industry is truly unique. David, can I ask a question? Previously, we used to see really all software organizations taking their their sales revenue over the term of the contract radically, right? E- equally over the amount of periods for the term. With the implementation of 606, that kind of threw an upheaval to identify the performance obligations that are included in your contract and related to the software that you're selling to your customers. What is it about the SaaS software in the cloud compared to an on-premise software that allows you to recognize evenly over the term as opposed mm-hmm. to maybe mm-hmm. an upfront yep. recognition for a distinct percentage and then 
the remaining life is uh, recognized radically at a different yeah. rate? Yeah, that's a great question. I think especially in the cloud space, you know, the amount of resources and infrastructure that's needed to have a SaaS solution go live in cloud environment is minimal, if not at all none, compared to an environment where the server or process is being hosted locally. There are significant costs and resources needed to implement, manage and maintain. And as part of that, we have to identify certain carve outs such as implementation fees, consulting fees. What's the true SaaS cost? Because the challenge is in contract negotiation, more often than not, these costs are lumped into a single price and it's difficult to carve out what's a one-time fee, what's a reoccurring fee, what's a milestone fee. So it's important that as a company, we adopt the concept of standalone pricing, understanding what is the value of each service offering so that we can properly allocate the revenue to, like we said, a one-time implementation, a units occurred, such as hours, as well, what is the reoccurring amount, which is going to be over the life of the contract. Yeah, that's great. Great point. And, and taking care of that, standard selling price analysis upfront is going to minimize all of the accounting headaches down the road, right? Your upstream sales activities and, and legal agreements will be less of a burden for the downstream activities of the accounting treatment and recognizing that revenue. Yeah, exactly. You know, what, what we kind of recommended, and I've done this in our career and I do it now, is you know, some sort of significant contract review, right? You know, to the extent that you can standardize with a CRM tool, I think that's great, but understandable, you know, given certain times and certain budgetary constraints, a tool may not be, um, a tool may not be practical. Implementing a review process where anything may be, well, one, to the extent possible, a contract can be reviewed. That's awesome. Let's get a formal process in. But as the risk and the dollar value of the contract get higher and higher, introducing a, an FP&A review, a controller review, a district review, a CFO review, because understandably, especially in a startup phase, the main goal is to generate revenue and sales. So the sales objective could begin to deviate from accounting guidance. And it's important to have a structure that can support and respect the business development activities, but can also properly reconcile and record the contracts in appropriate revenue accounting format. Yeah, that, that's a great point. You know, there are a lot of systems that could also help automate the process in this as well. Chris, do you have um, any kind of comments on how systems can how we can get our systems to be more automated to do this revenue recognition? Yeah, absolutely. And like David was speaking about, SSP standard selling price is probably at the forefront and enabling the success of whatever tool is implemented in the future. From my experience, I was working at a software organization. We implemented ASC 606. It was about a two-year process going through everything because the carve-outs from our contracts were so complicated because we didn't have that SSP analysis done up front. But what we ended up landing on was a multi-book accounting in the NetSuite ERP so that we were able to analyze our business internally and with our board of directors on a 
straight line revenue recognition model utilizing the pre 606 revenue treatment but then also having a essentially a second book where we had those revenue carve outs automatically generated from the system to produce our our audited financial statements and and external financials yeah yeah, Chris, you know, I've seen it before where maybe in a gap versus hyperspace, you know, there's going to be some underlying, there's going to be overlap between the two, but I think it's a great example that there could be different financial and operational objectives and NetSuite's built to be able to handle that variability, which really provides kind of full scale financial reporting solutions. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, I'm sure there's so much more to cover, but I want to be conscious of our time here, but and I thank you so much for coming on the show and giving our listeners some key topics to look out for. As a listener, if you'd like more information on ASC 606 and revenue recognition, I invite you to visit our Witham website that has articles and blogs on various topics for your business, and we'll link that in this podcast description. And we hope you'll join us on another episode of Take Me to the Cloud. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, David. Thanks, Thanks Melissa. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Dave. You've been listening to Take Me to the Cloud. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to be alerted of new episodes. For more information, visit witham.com.